This episode is brought to you by Locker Room. Download the Locker Room app from the iOS App Store and find one of our Locked On Rooms. Locker Room, changing the way we talk sports. You are Locked On NBA, your daily NBA podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to Locked On NBA on a Tuesday, everybody. I'm Wes Antman Goldberg from the Mercury News and host of Locked On Warriors here with the host of Locked On Heat, David Deadpool Ramil. Got a big show today where we're going to cover the race for the play-in games in both conferences. But I want to start, David, with your take on the Marvel's Arena of Heroes broadcast during that Warriors-Pelicans game. You know... I, I am a, a comic book fan, uh, not so much as the of the MCU as most casual fans are nowadays. They've seen the movies, they see the TV shows and everything else. But I, I am a longtime fan of the comics. And I got to be honest with you, I did not like the whole broadcast. I felt like it was a little bit contrived. They were trying to work all these references in there. Richard Jefferson <laughs> barely containing himself on set there. Like he was trying to have fun with it because I, I guess he's a, a gamer. He was willing to fake his way through it but clearly he had no idea what he was talking about there they should have had his, his former teammate and best friend Channing Fry on there because that's a real comic book geek like he's the guy who could have actually been into the whole thing he would have worn the Iron Man suit for real and really enjoyed the whole thing but uh, you know it was just a little too busy for my taste and then all of a sudden I start to see everybody on Twitter kind of saying oh you know it's for the kids it's bringing a new group of fans and I start to feel like the grumpy old man all of a sudden a very cantankerous old bastard that didn't like fun things so I don't want to be that person so maybe maybe it's probably somewhere in the middle like at first it was a little bit too much but as time went on I guess I kind of enjoyed the references and everything else and the look on Draymond Green's face when he was crowned the actual uh, arena champion who gets to quote unquote train with the Avengers because he knows that his kids are watching. That was fun. I, I imagine he probably revealed something to you in his post game yeah. presser as well, but he, he just, he looked really happy on the ABC broadcast. So that's all that really matters. He, he said his son texted him after the game and said, congrats on being a superhero or something like that, which is kind of cool to hear from yeah. your son. I would imagine uh, if you're Jaymon Green, I will, though, be the cantankerous old grumpy man on yes. this. I, I've, I've recently turned 30 years old, and I feel like it is my obligation to do so. Right. Uh, but, um, I, yes, it's for the kids. I, I get it, right? Like I understand that the NBA and the NFL with their SpongeBob thing a couple months ago, like the whole idea is that this new generation doesn't watch live sports, and they're trying to reel in this new generation through gimmicks such as superheroes and SpongeBob and things like that. And all right, cool, cool gimmick. I get it. I'm not, I'm not uh, uh, putting down the idea of it. What I'm putting down is the execution because I don't know that they on, on these ESPN two and plus broadcasts, they didn't really, they didn't, they didn't know who they were talking to. It felt like to me where, Mm -hmm. okay, if you're going to bring in kids through Marvel, you don't have to explain to these kids why it is you're doing what you're doing just let the superheroes do the thing let the little you know smoke rings you know flare up every time you score or shoot the basket and all that like that that's fine but it felt like they had like that person that was from marvel or something i don't know yeah. like uh talking like explaining superheroes to me and i was like is this like is your job here to explain why it is that you're doing this weird thing to the adults while the kids are supposed to learn about the game and if if what you're trying to do is reel in these kids and teach them about basketball through the nonsense of this Marvel superheroes thing. Then I don't think they really did a good job of doing that. Like that you created this new scoring system with hero points and stuff like that's not going to teach kids how to play basketball or how to watch basketball as an adult. Like I don't, 
and didn't really feel like if anybody did a good job, I thought it was Richard Jefferson, who was just like you said, he was kind of like, yeah, I like superheroes. This was just happening on the court. Uh, so I just didn't think that the, the, the NBA and, and Marvel Studios and whatever, whoever was involved in this production, did a great job executing it because I didn't really feel like they knew who they were talking to for most of the broadcast. Well, it doesn't really matter because it's a Disney corporation that owns us all one way or another. So they can do whatever they want to and everybody's going to tune in anyway. Obviously, that's the case. So let's go ahead and look at the standings update because the game that was actually played had huge ramifications on the Western Conference playing tournament. The Warriors and the Pelicans, they go into that game, these two teams. Uh, This is the first of three games that these teams are going to play in a 12-game span, a weird little wrinkle of this pandemic related season. Uh, the Warriors take care of business um, in New Orleans. So they entered that, they entered sort of this little mini series, three games ahead of New Orleans in the standings, which would normally be way too, not enough time with just seven or eight games left uh, to, to catch up. But each one of these games is basically worth double. If New Orleans were to get a win, it would also equal a loss in the loss, uh, in, in the loss column for Golden State. But the Warriors win. They take care of business. They are now uh, a half game up. They're, they're four games up on New Orleans. New Orleans is basically out of the play-in mm-hmm. tournament at this point. Golden State moves all the way from, in the matter of uh, uh, three nights, from 10th place to 8th place. They're now a half game up on Memphis and uh, uh, one and a half games up on San Antonio for that eighth spot. So here's where we're standing now with this play-in tournament. You've got Portland at seven after their loss tonight uh, to the Hawks. You've got Golden State at eight, Memphis a half game behind Golden State for the nine seed, San Antonio barely clinging on after having lost four straight games to the tenth spot. Um, where are you? Where, where do you think? Uh, do you think this is ultimately how it shakes out, David, with with those sort of teams? Because the goal, right, is to get out of that play-in tournament I, and kind of get into that sixth spot. Right now, you've got the Lakers. The, the, the Mavericks and the Trailblazers all kind of vying to, to sort of leapfrog this playing tournament. How do you, how do you think this thing plays out? As far as which are the final four teams in the, in the, in play the actual in. playing yeah. tournament? Yeah. yeah. Who I, do you think ends up there? I don't know. That's kind of hard to tell. Like I, I disagree that the Pelicans are out of it. They've got what seven games left on their season. Theoretically, they could win out six of one and six and one of that seven game stretch. And if San Antonio drops, uh, equal uh, equal number of games. I mean, they'll be leapfrog. I guess right. I don't know what the past tense of leapfrog is. Leapfrogged uh, in the in the standings there, but you know this could go many different ways. Like I, I think all these teams have a legitimate concern, but I, you know, much to the larger point that's been debated all day on Twitter is whether or not the playing tournament sucks and what's wrong with it. And of course, LeBron makes his really asinine public statements when he's particularly salty, as Doris Burke mentioned during the broadcast in a late game tonight uh, after a loss that you know the. the play in tournament and whoever created the idea should be fired it's just so dismissive and ridiculous because for years we've heard lebron talk about the standings don't matter it doesn't matter for the one seed or the two seed but now all of a sudden the shoe's on a different foot on a foot when when he's actually in the fifth or sixth seed yeah. and worried about potentially dropping into the play in tournament so either way it, it gives you an opportunity to compete for something i think all those respective 
respective franchises and fan bases are all excited about what's happening here. I, I mean, you cover the Warriors. I, I'm sure Warriors fans aren't happy about being the eighth seed, but it's better than not being in the playoff tournament at all. I think there's probably a small contingent of fans that says, well, maybe we should just tank the season, yeah. get a better draft pick and things of that sort. But by and large, I think your, your typical fan and even your more casual fan is interested in seeing a playoff tournament. It provides some excitement. So as far as the final shakeup is well, concerned. Well, no, it, it, prov- it provides excitement because of the players that we're talking about. We've got LeBron complaining sure. about the playing tournament. You've got Luka with Dallas, Damian Lillard and Portland Steph with Golden State, Memphis with John Morant and that young group, San Antonio, nobody cares. But for Golden State, Steph Curry is playing out of his mind. He's with his 41 point game against the Pelicans. He has now scored 40 or more points in six of his last 15 games, nine total 40 or more point games all season long. And no team is going to want to face the Warriors in this first round, right? Like nobody wants to play. My question is, can the Warriors actually make a playoff run? Because that's ultimately what's going to decide whether or not this playing tournament is successful. So if one of these teams can just make some noise, they don't have to win the first round or, or whatever. They just need to, they need to make a little bit of noise in order for this thing, I think, to gain some, some steam and maybe some momentum into being you know, implemented you know, long-term by the well, NBA. Do you think the Warriors can, can make a playoff run? No, I don't. I, I think of the four teams there, my – I tend to lean towards the Trailblazers as the team best equipped to challenge for a, a potential early round upset and, again, make a potentially deeper run. Um, maybe I'm wrong in that assessment. I think the Mavericks, again, they're still not – they're not technically in the play-in tournament as of now. So if we're talking about the current 7 through 10 seeds, mm-hmm. you know, Portland, Golden State, Memphis, and San Antonio, I think of those four, the most dangerous is probably Portland. Yeah. I think they're I, I the think, more complete yeah. team with the Warriors. They are. I think the problem with the Warriors is basically if Steph and Draymond play like they did in New Orleans tonight, then they'll be able to win a few games. But yes. the supporting cast is just not consistent enough. They also got 26 or 27 points from Andrew Wiggins. Like, that's just not happening every night, right? You know, right. He's, he's just going 10 fewer points per game than that. So, uh, yeah, I, I tend to agree with you that that supporting cast is just too inconsistent to, to, for me to believe in a, in, a, in a big run by the Warriors. And so it kind of – look, I get it. It's exciting – the playing tournament is worthwhile. I think there's a lot of intrigue in, in the, the sixth seed, a lot of intrigue in maybe the 10th seed. It's curbed some teams from tanking altogether, which I think has in and of itself has value for right. the rest of the league. Uh, but ultimately, this is going to come down to the, the top teams like it always does. You know, I don't yeah. think the playing tournament is going to change that. So currently, as it currently stands, it would be the 7-8 game would be Portland versus Golden State of those two you'd assume that Portland would, might be able to win. Although, again, it's it's a toss-up, right? Because if you have a really hot shooting night from Steph and all of a sudden Draymond and Andrew well, Wiggins have Portland, big games. Yeah, the Warriors are the last team the Trailblazers want to see in this playing tournament because the Warriors own their – like, they have the Trailblazers number and have historically. If Draymond Green is on the floor, Portland is scared because Draymond just blows up everything that Portland wants to do every single season. So – so Golden uh, State would win that game. I think and they, they would, would be technically the seventh seed then in that case, and, and then face Phoenix have, at this point. And then, well, and then Portland would go on to face the winner of the Memphis San Antonio series or, or right. game that one game playoffs, and then they'd probably be able to knock off the Grizzlies, I think, uh, who probably have a slight edge over the Spurs. So then Portland would be the eighth seed and go up against the Jazz. Not an ideal matchup for the Blazers either. No, not at all. Um, but if we're talking about the seven and eight seeds being Damian Lillard and Steph Curry. That's pretty good. 
That's mission accomplished. I mean, this yeah. is what's being overlooked in this whole narrative about whether or not the, the play-in sucks. It, it just feels like this weird griping and whining that comes from out of nowhere, usually from a player like LeBron who doesn't really care about standings until like, all of a sudden he does. But overall, I, I think you're getting more star power in the potential Western Conference plan, and that's all that really matters. You've got a couple more franchises and fan bases, even the Pelicans, you know, with Zion Williams. I'm sure NBA execs would love to have Zion somehow in the play-in tournament. I mean, the Kings are mathematically still in it, but uh, not realistic as an opportunity there for them to, to advance. But either way, I, I think it's still a lot of fun. Like, I, I like the whole process. And yeah. the fact that we're complaining about this towards the last 10 games of the season when you've had 60-something games to kind of figure it out. And, yes, every team has had COVID-related issues or health-related issues, and there's nothing that's out of the ordinary here. Like, you, you, can't, you can't just all of a sudden arbitrarily – pick a, a time to choose when to complain about this playing tournament that's been here all season long and hasn't been an issue. Like you, if you could have won another game in February or March, you wouldn't have to worry about the damn playing tournament. I will say this. I think the NBA would prefer for Portland or Golden State to end up within the nine ten game, because if it still, if, if it ends up seeds one through eight and, and Golden State and Portland, just if it, if it were just seeds one through eight in a normal year without the plan mm-hmm. and Golden State and Portland sort of back into the playoffs here, and we're talking about the 9-10 game being Memphis and San Antonio, nobody's complaining about Memphis and San Antonio, like nationally, not making the playoffs, right? There's almost a little bit more value in the play-in tournament if you get one of these star players in that 9-10 game, and then that star player has to lead his team to two straight wins, right? Where if, if, if it was a normal season... After tonight, we would be talking about Golden State and Portland backing in as the seven and eight seeds and Memphis and San Antonio not being in it and nobody really caring about that. And New Orleans, no. like New Orleans wouldn't have been involved in the way they were tonight, but, but still. The, the DeJounte Murray disrespect is incredible. I won't even mention John Moran here, but, I, you know, you, you don't really seem to care too much about either Memphis or San Antonio. I guess not. Um, <laughs> uh, the Lakers got a big win tonight against Denver without LeBron James. We'll talk about what this means uh, for their season if they've turned things around. But first, David, tell the listeners about Locker Room. Well, it's it's an episode that the, the sponsor of this particular episode. And listen, I, I just recently started going on it myself. It's so much fun. It's the first social audio platform made for sports fans. And and for all of you, you know, it's free to download. Once you're in, you can talk to fans, you can talk to athletes, you can talk to insiders in real time, other locked on hosts from around the league. It's the perfect place to start or join conversations about the playoff chase, the play in tournament, everything else that's going on around in the NBA. Again, fans like you on Locker Room, you can join them for watch parties, post-game breakdowns and of course reacting to big news or rumors especially with the offseason for some teams just a few weeks away uh, you can even find like I said locked on hosts from around the NBA as well as Major League Baseball NHL and others uh, go download the free locker room app now be sure to create a profile you can link your Twitter profile you can join the NBA group for the latest league updates I know you'll find a ton of incredible rooms around your favorite teams and leagues so much fun to talk to them you can send in questions you can jump onto the show yourself it's a great opportunity for you to talk to again hosts athletes other fans just like yourself so download the locker room app today get started locker room it's changing the way we talk about sports we're going to take a look at the eastern conference standings uh and everything that happened on monday night and how that affects the playing tournament and just the playoff picture in general but i want to get to this lakers game first david because yeah. uh, they beat the nuggets 93 to 89 going into the game they had lost six of their last seven. You mentioned LeBron James. He's still dealing with the right ankle issue. Did not play in that game against Denver. He was a late scratch, uh, still dealing 
with that ankle injury, I guess he re-aggravated it in that, in that Toronto loss that in many ways sort of represented rock bottom for this team. And they've been slipping now in the Western Conference standings. Uh, they are down to uh, – they're the fifth seed in the, in the West, but they're only a game out of avoiding the play-in tournament altogether. A loss against Denver would have pretty much gotten them into that play-in tournament or really close to it. But they managed to beat the Nuggets – uh, who, you know, Nikola Jokic, 32 points, nine rebounds, five assists. Great night for him yet again. But Anthony Davis came up big for the Lakers, 25.7 rebounds, uh, three blocks. You got nice contributions up and down the roster from Contavious Caldwell-Pope, Alex Caruso, mm-hmm. Marcus mm-hmm. Saul, you know, made it a, an appearance. Taylor Horton Tucker had a nice uh, game as well off the bench. Do you, and, and again, you get a, a good win against a really good team in Denver without LeBron. Do you feel like this is the sort of win that can turn their season around during this final stretch? I don't think their season was ever really in, in extreme jeopardy. Like, I, I feel like his complaining and trying to put those narratives out there uh, in the public were kind of just his way of, of hedging his bets a little bit and putting like this this kind of preconceived idea that maybe there's a, a built-in fail safe or failure that's going to happen, you know, as far as the play in tournament and things like that, it can always be chalked up to him not being a hundred percent healthy, which he's mentioned a couple of times now that he'll never be a hundred percent healthy again for the rest of his career. I'm not a person who normally slights LeBron, but just seeing him over the last week or so has been, it's left a sour taste for me because I just can't believe that he's just complaining so prolifically uh, about the playing tournament, about his health and things of that sort. It's like none of this should have mattered. It should have never have boiled down to a game or two. But again, aside from all that, they're still the Lakers. They still have two top five talents here. Even if LeBron's not quite at hundred percent, he's still better than the 95% of the rest of the league. Mm-hmm. Even if his, his health is, is, you know, somewhat uh, in jeopardy here with a bum ankle or something like that. Like he's still going to be a hell of a good player. He's still going to be able to change the tide of a series almost single-handedly. I think he'll be able to at least go on a deep run um, at least past the first round. I can't imagine any world where the Lakers would be an easy first round exit. So I think they'll get in, they'll get in comfortably. They can always complain about this whole playing tournament and everything else afterwards, even though they're not going to be in it. And they're, they're still going to be fine. Like, I don't think yeah. their season was ever quite in doubt. They're still a dangerous team. I don't know if they're as quite as dangerous as Phoenix and Utah right at this point, but I, I think they're certainly up there. Uh, and maybe the Clippers aren't even getting their due. But I, as far as the Nuggets are concerned, though, I, it kind of shows – well, that they don't really have much behind Jokic right now. I mean, Paul Millsap missed a game. Uh, obviously, Jamal Murray out for the rest of the season and everything else. But who was that second scorer? For a lot of the game, it was JaVale McGee who was the second-best scorer behind Nikola Jokic. That's not going to cut it. So I still no, You only got 19 points from Michael Porter Jr., and, and that's right. what's been able to sustain their run. What are they? Not, they they've won nine games, nine, yeah. nine and one since Nine Jamal. out of 11 since Jamal Murray's nine injury. But that's because Michael Porter Jr. has been playing at an all-NBA level. Well, there was a reversion to the mean a little bit here. He got 19 points on 8-15 shooting. Not terrible, um, but wasn't really Do you see them as a contender? Because, I I mean, I think that's a big question, right? When you look at the – yeah, it's – they're a good team. They're a good team, and they've got a superstar player – probably still the MVP. If anything, it may be a case that's been strengthened over the last couple of weeks. But I look at them and there's just – the depth is going to be a continuing issue. They've oh. just been rocked by injury. They they almost – they actually lost uh, Dozier today. So, I mean, they just keep having a number of injuries through their backcourt. They don't have any other guard options at this point, which is why Faku Kampatsa was out there uh, committing, committing an egregious offensive foul that was actually just an Anthony Davis flop in the waning <laughs> moments of the game. I mean no disrespect to Utah – and Phoenix, or even the Clippers. Sure you do. But if the – okay. 
<laughs> but if the Lakers, if LeBron James and Anthony Davis are not 100% healthy or whatever, as close as you can get, I guess, at this point in LeBron's career, yeah, I, I do think that the West is wide open, and that includes Denver. I, I think That's anybody fair. can make, out, make it out. But if, if I don't mean to just be too derivative here, David, but if LeBron and Anthony Davis do what it is that they can do and did in the bubble last year, Right. And I still – I don't care what seed they are. I think that they're their favorite. And by the way, the way that the Western Conference standings break down right now, Clippers-Lakers in the first round. That would be great. Let's move yeah, on, absolutely. though, to the Eastern Conference, uh, where things have pretty much uh, – look, there's still some jockeying for position, Philadelphia and Brooklyn yeah. for one and two. Milwaukee seems pretty entrenched as a three seed. To me, the most interesting part of this are, is seeds four through seven. As it currently stands after Monday night's action, New York – is in the fourth spot. Atlanta with that win over Portland uh, is in that fifth spot. Miami is at six. And Boston, with their recent loss uh, and struggles, has slipped to seven. So Boston would be sort of that first team uh, in that play-in tournament. And then it's rounded out by Charlotte, Indiana, and Washington with, uh, with their win over the Pacers on Monday night. The Wizards uh, hold on to that 10 spot um, and narrow the gap to a half a game to get into that nine spot, but, but it's looking like it's going to be Indiana, Washington, sort of rematch of this night in that nine, 10 spot, Boston and Charlotte in that seven, eight game. If Boston indeed ends up staying in that seven game. So my question, David is of those spots, four through seven, which of those teams do you trust? Because when we're talking about those teams, the Knicks, Hawks, Heat and Celtics, those are the teams that have just been so wildly inconsistent all season long. Right. I, I think, and I know it's going to sound like homerism, but to me, I, I, I tend to lean towards Miami. And why? Because of Jimmy Butler. Because I think he is a proven commodity, unlike any of the other stars on either the Knicks or Hawks team. Like, they might have some depth in Atlanta. They've certainly gotten some all-NBA-level performance from Julius Randle in New York and some fine production there. But the playoffs are a completely different animal. Randle just doesn't have that postseason experience. Jimmy Butler does. We've seen what he can do. We've seen that him able to carry a team and to do just enough to pick his spots and something that I keep talking about my evaluation of Jimmy and his brief career in Miami is that I think alongside LeBron James there's no other player in this league that can pick and choose his spots as carefully as Jimmy can like he can watch the game play out and then choose to turn it on in certain moments there that change the outcome of the game single-handedly which is the true definition in my opinion of a superstar and so when you look at what Jimmy has done with Miami and the fact that this team is still starting to play at a pretty good level. They've gotten some nice performances from Goran Dragic, who I've maintained is the X factor for this team. Tyler Hero still an issue, perhaps. Victor Oladipo, who knows if he'll even be able to come back. But you look at what Bam can do defensively. You look at what Jimmy has been able to do. I think they're the better team there. I, I Look, it's not to say that the Knicks can't win a series or that the Hawks can't challenge anybody. But as far as the potential to make a deep run, I like the proven commodity of Jimmy Butler and his ability to carry the heat. And Eric Spolstra, right? Who we sure, know is, sure. is, it was the coach of the year of the playoffs, the coach of the bubble, whatever you want to say. Last year, I mean, he outcoached everybody he, he came across, Mike Boonholzer, Brad Stevens, all of them included. Uh, but let me read some stats to you, David. The Knicks over these last 10 games are 9-1. and one. They are posting the best net rating in the Eastern Conference at plus 11.6, which is almost twice, it is, it's, it's twice as better as Miami's net rating over those last 10 games. Miami is 7-3 and three over those last 10 games. Not bad, very good. One of their best stretchers of the season. But 
but the Knicks have been just blowing the doors off of play, uh, off of their opponents. Julius Randle's playing at not an all-star level, an all-NBA level. R.J. Barrett's playing at a borderline all-star level. They're getting great contributions from Derrick Rose and Nolan's Noel and guys off the bench. Tom Thibodeau has got that team playing hard every single night, and that stuff matters when you get to the playoffs. That said, I still think I'm with you. I still think I trust the Heat more than I trust the Knicks, and that's not necessarily a detriment to the Knicks. It's more of a reflection of maybe my bias <laughs> for my. Well, they're just starting. They're just, just starting at this point. I mean, they're, they're, yeah. this is the first real season under Thibodeau and his chance to build something. We're, we're starting to see the seeds there. There's this problem yeah. with fans in general where they expect teams to make this incredible, huge leap from one year to the next. And unless you're acquiring a top five player, that's rarely going to happen. And even then, it's still not an absolute possibility. It's not a guarantee, that's for sure. Randall has been phenomenal. You've got a good supporting cast there. You've got some good coaching. You've got some good front office personnel there for the first time in what mm-hmm. two decades they're on the right path there's these unfair expectations unrealistic expectations should be dashed and, and look you look at the last couple of wins over that 10 game stretch that you referred to over the rockets over the bulls over the grizzlies twice yeah. over the raptors a couple of times over the hawks and the hornets like not ideal competition there the one team that they faced that was actually among the top teams in the league the phoenix suns they lost by eight so they're going to go on this West Coast road trip. They started off tonight in Memphis. Luckily for the Knicks, John Morant got ejected during that game, but they're going to face the Lakers. They're going to face the Clippers. They're going to face the Suns. They're going to face the Nuggets. I mean, those are all really tough challenges yeah. for the Knicks, and that will be their opportunity to prove themselves as a legitimate contending team. I'm with you. And and back to Miami, the Jimmy Butler factor is real. The Bam Adebayo factor is real. The Eric Spolster factor is real. We've seen them do it in the playoffs. It didn't mm-hmm. matter what seed they were last year. And by the way, again, the playoffs started today. Who, who would Miami play in the first round? Milwaukee. Yeah. That'd be a hell of a series. Oh, absolutely. Would. Great storylines with that. Um, all right. We are going to play our favorite game, NBA ad libs, after this. But first, David, tell the listeners about Rock Auto. Well, it's it's so hard to find all the parts that you might be looking for in a traditional chain storefront. So why would you go in there, ask questions, have them look for the parts in their computer when you've got access to computers at home or in your pocket? RockAuto.com has been serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. They're a family-owned business, and they provide all the parts you're looking for on their easy-to-use website. You get everything you need with just a few easy clicks delivered directly and safely to your door. So why spend more at a chain store or at a car dealership? RockAuto.com's low prices are the same for everybody. So go to RockAuto.com right now, see all the parts available for your car or truck, and then go to the section that says, how'd you hear about us, and write the phrase locked on so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car or truck will ever need. That's rockauto.com. And when you're done saving a little money buying auto parts for your car, make sure you spend it over on Bet Online. Make even more money. The fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Baseball season is in full swing, and you can track all the action at Bet Online. But there are tons of sports action with the start of the new WNBA season, the NBA playoffs, NHL, and much more. Go ahead, head over to Bet Online on your laptop or mobile device and check out all the great sporting news, sign up bonuses, and contest information. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. This is your chance to get into the game as teams prep for their runs to the playoffs. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. Don't forget to use the promo code Locked On. It's time to play NBA AdLibs where we fill in the blanks on the biggest stories from around the NBA. Dennis Schroeder will be out for 10 to 14 days, West, following the league's health and safety protocols. He'll potentially miss the rest of the Lakers' regular season. We were just talking about the Lakers' chances. What do you think this means blank 
to the Lakers' playoff hopes? It means very little, David. I, I don't think it impacts their playoff chances very much at all. Look, at the end of the day, it's all about LeBron and Anthony Davis. Last year, this was in the bubble, they, they won the championship. It was LeBron. It was Anthony Davis. Their third leading scorer was Kyle Kuzma, who was averaging 12 points per game. Take Dennis Schroeder out of the equation. Who is their third leading scorer? It's Montrezl Harrell, and it's Kyle Kuzma, again, averaging 12 points per game. It doesn't matter. If LeBron can get back to 100% or, again, whatever exists, the closest that LeBron can get to at this point of his career, and Anthony Davis can find his rhythm and look like the top five player that he was last year, arguably the best player in the bubble last year, if they can hit those peaks again, I don't care if Dennis Schroeder is out. And by the way, he's going to be out 10 to 14 days because of these health and safety protocols, not with a hamstring injury, not with something that I can nag afterwards, right? Like he'll be back exactly what he was before. It hasn't been a perfect fit all year, but it doesn't need to be. He can come in, score when they need him to. I'm not all that worried about it whatsoever. When it comes to their, uh, when it comes to the playoff race, they are going to go as LeBron and Anthony Davis go. That's the priority for the Lakers is getting those two guys going. So, you know, it's kind of funny because overlooked in the whole LeBron slandering the play-in tournament and the poor NBA employee that came up with the idea in the first place is the fact that he said it doesn't matter what their seed is if he's not healthy. Like, he's basically saying, if I'm not 100%, it doesn't matter whether we're the fifth seed, the sixth seed, or whatever in the play-in tournament. Well, the first seed. Yeah, we only go as far as my health is concerned, which is absolutely correct. Uh, I will say this about Schroeder, though. We have no confirmation regarding whether or not he actually contracted COVID-19 or if he's actually suffering from any kind of ill effects or anything like that. But it, it should – it would help hurt the Lakers if he does not recover 100%. And we're seeing this with players around the league. That's a lot harder to come back from this. We're talking about prime athletes in their early 20s at the, at the peak of physical perfection for them, and they're still suffering long-term effects here from Jason Tatum to other players around the league, how much harder it is to just get their conditioning back, their overall uh, wind and, and things of that sort. So maybe a concern if they go on a deep playoff run, if they can't rely on a guy like Schroeder. But for the first couple of rounds, I don't think it really means anything, and I don't think it necessarily guarantees whether the Lakers will get in or not. So, uh, again, it, it all boils down to LeBron James. Luka Doncic's 14th and 15th technical foul calls of the season were upheld, meaning uh, the next one could lead to a one-game suspension and blank for the Mavs. Bad news, I think. I, I, honestly, I, I feel like I don't trust the Mavericks. I, I'm sure uh, Locked On Mavericks host Nick Angstad would probably disagree with me, but I just I don't see anything there as far as aside from Luca's otherworldly skill and if he's going to be out there complaining as much as he does and I think there's a separation there a fine point between passion which he clearly has for the game and just over complaining and I made this point on my own podcast today that there's a difference even with a guy like Jimmy Butler who gets a lot of foul calls but never has to complain for them because I think I think it helps this case of anything is that he's not a complainer he's not a guy he, he talks to refs but it's more conversational rather than just incessant whining which is where Luca falls in the on that kind of spectrum I just I don't like his constant complaining for fouls I, I know he gets a lot of contact I understand it but at the same time I feel like he should probably just have to learn how to quiet especially as they gear up for the playoffs if he's out for one game it could completely torpedo those chances of their, even making it in the play-in tournament there like I know they'll be a dangerous team but overall they need him to be a little bit more focused and, and to show I don't know just a, a little bit more comp- composure in these tougher situations. Yeah, like you said, it mean, it's a learning lesson for him and the Mavericks, and ultimately it'll be a loss because if Luka's not playing, the Mavericks have no chance to win. Right. It'll be a loss. 
Carmelo Anthony became the NBA's 10th all-time leading scorer, passing the recently departed Elgin, Hay- Elgin Baylor, excuse me, adding blank to Melo's ultimate legacy. A necessary honor, David. I think that Melo will and should go down as one of the NBA's greatest scorers, one of the greatest scorers we've ever seen. And something that – and him being in the top 10 – is is so notable it means more than being in the top 11 or 12 right your top 10 that is a that's a statement that's something you could put on your resume and quite frankly Carmelo Anthony has stayed in the league so long that longevity is what's helped him and propelled him into the top 10 and he gets he deserves credit for that the flip side of that is young people who watch Melo now might not remember how great of a score he was at his peak at his prime and and I think having something like this is is going to help People remember how great of a score is, and it's something that people, quite frankly, who watched that Marvel Night thing probably need to know, right? Because they don't rem- they don't remember Carmelo Anthony with with that low post game that he had in Denver, and just being in that silky smooth three point shot and all and fade away and turnaround jumper, everything they could do. I mean, that guy could score from every level on the court at his peak, and and I'm glad he's getting this sort of honor and this sort of recognition. This is this might be my own bias here, but I have to ask. Were you ever scared as a fan of any team that was going up against Carmelo? Were you ever scared of Carmelo? No, I was not scared of Carmelo in the way that you were scared of Dwayne Wade or LeBron James, you know, the guys that were also taken in that draft class. But that's kind of the point, right? Is right. he was never the the winner. He was never you were never scared to lose to Carmelo Anthony. But that's kind of the legend of him, right? Everybody yeah. loves Carmelo. You know, it, it was just so much fun to watch. That's all I remember. And that was that's why he was so perfect for those Denver teams. Um, it was just the, it, he put the Nuggets on the map in a really important way, and I don't know, man. I just remember watching him and just loving to watch him. No doubt, I, I, he just has he does have a complicated legacy, though. Like, yeah. As a scorer, you mentioned longevity, the three point shot. Like none of the you know past scores that he he leapt past in this list had that benefit of the three-point shot, or at least a, a lot of them did not. And the fact that he was able to stay in the league for as long as he did, where he was just basically a scorer for the most part. Like, yeah, he made passes and plays for others, but overall he's not going to be remembered as a playmaker. He's certainly not going to be remembered as a defender. And unfortunately for him, I don't think he's going to be remembered as a winner either. So uh, a, a strange case, right? And I think uh, an interesting Hall of Fame candidacy too. Like you would say – first ballot hall of fame no doubt and yet when you look at the criteria of other players that are more established winners or more versatile players and defenders and things of that sort they're not necessarily given the same uh guarantee that they'll be in the hall of fame someday whereas carmelo and and look to his credit also viewed as one of the best players in team usa history and that's yeah. pretty interesting i mean with his four uh olympic championships there and everything else that he was able to accomplish with team usa so that's that's certainly an interesting part of his legacy too but that's why, lastly, that's why I, it's why i say necessary honor right is sure. because it, for his resume for that hall of fame case top 10 is, is really helpful um russell westbrook made history again notching over 20 assists and 20 rebounds in the same game for the second time in his career. Westbrook's season has been blank, David. <laughs> uh, underappreciated? I, I mean, I think, are we at this point now? I love this now? turn for you, by the way. I, like, I feel like the last few weeks that we've talked, we, Russell Westbrook has come up because he's putting up these crazy stat lines. And you're, I, I don't know if you're always a, a Westbrook fan, but it kind of feels like not. this year you've turned in that direction. 
I, look, I, I, I am fully aware of the inefficiencies in his game and, and the, the huge glaring holes there. And I would never count on Westbrook in a clutch situation. And the Westbrook's, I mean, the Wizards, excuse me. <laughs> well, maybe that's a Freudian slip, <laughs> but a well-intended one. Uh, you know, I don't think they're going to actually accomplish anything in the playoffs, even with an all-NBA guard and, and, and Bradley Beal. But I've seen Wizards fans legitimately make a case that Russell Westbrook deserves an all-NBA berth at the end of the season. And that seems ludicrous, but then when you consider the gaudiness of his numbers and his incredible production, like maybe there's something to it. And, and they all, I don't know if it's just that they're defending their guy, but like Rockets fans did the same thing. Thunder fans would die for Russell Westbrook. Like everywhere he goes, he elicits the same kind of thing. And I think you see the passion, you see that he cares. And on a team like the Wizards that started off the season so badly that, you know, all, all those memes of poor Bradley Beal wanting to get out of there and everything else. And now they've kind of turned it around. They've actually been winning good games. They've been scoring at this incredible pace behind, behind Beal's scoring and shooting and Russell's overall playmaking and rebounding and everything else, they're probably a pretty fun team to watch. And, I mean, Rui Hachimura has been pretty, you know, good as well. Uh, he's finally kind of coming into his own. I, I don't know. Like, I, I feel like more people should probably appreciate what Westbrook could do. I, I know that we're kind of experiencing this with Chris Paul as well. Like, we've, we've swung the pendulum one way or the other for so long that we can't appreciate just what he does. Like, with Westbrook, yeah, he's not the greatest player. He's certainly not an MVP-level player anymore, if he ever even was even though he won the award, but he can still do good things out there and you can still watch him and you don't have to care about how much he's getting paid. That's Ted Leonsis' problem, not yours. So I, <laughs> I think we can all appreciate what Westbrook does. There's a relentless effort that he brings to the table every single okay. night that can carry a team. And look, if it wasn't for this play-in tournament, we're not talking about Washington at this point in the season. Again, another win for the play-in tournament. But um, none, uh, this season has been historic for Russell Westbrook. I understand that. I would stop short of uh, Scott Brooks's claim that he's the second greatest point guard of all time. That was a little wild to me. I mean, he's not like, that's crazy. He said it would be magic Johnson and then Russell Westbrook because nobody's ever done what Russell Westbrook has done. All right. Sure. Nobody's ever done what Russell Westbrook has done. I don't know that that is a point in the win column. Nobody's ever done what Steph Curry does either. Nobody's ever done what Steph Curry. I mean, that's freaking crazy. That was nuts. Um, that'll do it for us today. Remember to subscribe to new episodes of Locked On NBA wherever you listen to the podcast for 30 minutes of the NBA's top stories every day. We'll be back here next Tuesday. In the meantime, you can find me at Locked On Warriors and David over on Locked On Heat. Now get all the sports news you need in under 20 minutes with the Locked On Today podcast. Host Peter Bukowski updates you on the latest news in every major sport with the help of our local experts. Follow the Locked On Today podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get podcasts. Thanks for listening.